0: Victor Hugo's book, Les Miserables, we find this, an account of, of Jean Valjean, who is the main character in it, and you'll, if you've seen, read the book, or you've seen the movie, or maybe you've attended a play, a presentation of it in some way or another, you'll remember that Jean Valjean was a, a convict, he had been in prison for a long time, and when he got released, and went back into town. He, he began to try to find a way to make a living, a place to stay, and it was, he, he went from place to place, house to house, and everyone kicked him out. No one wanted to have anything to do with him whatsoever. They were, they would tell him to leave, to not be anywhere near them and the things that were going on. It was cold, it was wet and rainy at night, and he finally found himself just laying on the steps of a house. The the keeper of the house saw him there and Opened the door and, and it was the bishop's house. And he was invited in and fed. Given a place to sleep. But during the time that he had gone to bed and everybody had gone to bed, he, he had seen while he was there some valuable silver pieces. And so he got up during the night and he t- collected all those silver pieces and he fled. It wasn't long before... Police officers caught him and brought him back to the bishop's house. And the bishop did an amazing thing. He said, Oh, Jean Valjean, you forgot these candlesticks that I gave you as well, two silver candlesticks. And he gave them to him in addition to what he had stolen. And told him, the police, they could go ahead and go. That everything was fine. Because he had given it to them. Given it to him. And then he said to John. I have purchased you from the evil way of life. That you have chosen. Go forth and do good. It's an amazing account in a picture of what God has done for you and for me in Christ Jesus. And that's what Paul's talking about in chapter 4 as we continue in the book of Ephesians and today looking at verses 17 through 24. He's giving us a contrast of the old way of life and the new way of life. He's helping us to look and to see that those without Christ, those who have not yet yielded their hearts to Jesus Christ as Savior of their life and and the difference that that's made in their lives, he's saying this is what they're like, this is what they look like, this is how they act, this is how you recognize them. It's evident all around as you see that. But we're not that way anymore. We have been purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and we've been bought out of that old way of life and we've been given the opportunity to enter into a whole new way of life. We're different than we were before we came to know Christ. We're not the same, and we can never be the same again. And that's what he wants us to understand, and that's what we've been talking about in this time. Remember, the first part of Ephesians gave us doctrinal stances. It taught us the theology of what we know and what we need to understand about God's great love for us and and all that he did for us in Jesus Christ. And beginning in chapter 4, he's been telling us now, now that we know this, now that we've experienced it, now that grace has overwhelmed us, We're to be different. We're not to be like we ever were before. We can't walk in the old way of life. We can't live in the same manner in which we lived at one time. But rather, now we're different. Now we have to live in a way according to that which God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We need to live worthy of the sacrifice that was made in our behalf. And so I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning as we read from Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 17 through 24. And listen, you'll note quickly the contrast, the first few verses, the old way, the last few, the new way. But let's listen carefully to God's word as we see what he has to say to us here about our walk in Christ. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, Just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, would you just remind us of what we were? And help us to understand something of who we are? What a difference it's made in our lives because you entered into our life by loving us and caring for us and and illustrating to us that you would give all that you were by going to the cross and and dying in our behalf that we might be forgiven of our sins and be given the opportunity to, to lay aside that old way of life and rather to move into a brand new way of life to walk according not to the flesh but to the Spirit. The Word of God and all that you are. Father, you've made us different than we were before. We're no longer living in the darkness. We're no longer living in the hopelessness. We're no longer living in the vanity of delusion. But rather now, we have been moved into the light. Now we are alive more fully than all that we could ever believe or imagine. Now we have a joy unspeakable. Now there is a peace that pervades in our lives. And Father, on and on we could go because there's so much different now that we're yours. Thank you. And I just pray this morning that you would help us to see that, visualize it, understand it, and grab a hold of it and realize what a great gift and yet great accountability that we have. That we demonstrate that we are different. That we live in a way that says to a world around us that we're we're not like that. And they don't have to stay that way either. Because the grace of God is sufficient. For any and for all who would come to him in Christ Jesus. So speak to our hearts, I pray this morning, in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as we look at this and as we understand what Paul is talking about and all the things that are going on as he's dealing with this church at Ephesus and he's talking to this Christian, these Christians and he's trying to help them to understand what it means to be the church, what it means to be the body of Christ, what it means to walk in the newness of life that we have in Jesus Christ. He, he's, he's pouring out his heart. He, he's giving everything that he has to this church and he's trying to help them to see what a difference it's made to be graced by God what a difference it's made to have experienced what God is doing in one's life and, and all that's going on and being a part of it and, and how because of that you and I are supposed to live and so he begins in that first part of the text that we read today and he begins he just reminds us of what we were before we came to know Jesus Christ that we lived in a pattern of life that no longer that what we weren't in control of it even though we thought we were we thought we made our own decisions we thought we did what we wanted to do we lived our own life we had our own way and that's the way that we liked it but the Bible makes it very clear. We live under either the master and the deception of Satan or we live under the grace of God and being a part of it. No man, no man lives according to God. You're either a slave to sin or you've been set free from that sin by grace in Jesus Christ and you live according to the grace of God and the mercy of God and what's going on. And every person without Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life is lost. They're without hope. They have a delusion in their life. The Bible tells us they can't even understand the things of God in, in, sec, in first corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 it says the carnal mind the mind without god is a mind that cannot even begin to conceive can't perceive can't understand anything of god and even though we may find ourselves talking to people with all kinds of degrees intelligent people great people nice people good people the bible says if jesus christ doesn't dwell in their heart they do not have a mind to understand the things of god They can't, they they can never know what it means until Christ comes into their heart and saves them from their sin and changes them and so their mind is deluded. They find themselves going through life without any awareness of what is right and what is wrong and the things that are there. They live according to their own standard, their own principles, their own ideas of what's going on. If you've ever had surgery of any kind, then you'll know that before you go into surgery they give you some some kind of anesthesia and supposedly it makes you unconscious Of what's happening to you while it's happening to you. If it works right. (laughs) That's what sin does. Sin is like an anesthesia that, that deadens us to wrong. That deadens us to evil. That deadens us to the wickedness of our world. That deadens us to all that we're missing. And all that's wrong. And all the things that's there. And we go through life not even aware of how evil our world is and how conscious we we live in such a way as though that which is wrong is normal. That which is wrong is okay. As long as I like it, as long as I feel good about it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, what I can do what I want to do, how I want to do it, when I want to do it, and that's all that really matters. That's what evil does, that's what sin does, that's what it's always done, and it's what it continues to do in the world in which you and I live. The reason it's so hard for people to say, you talk to someone about right and wrong, well, if it's right for me, it's right, and if it's wrong for me, it's wrong, but it doesn't matter. If you think what I'm doing is wrong, that doesn't matter, your opinion doesn't count, as long as I think it's okay, it's okay. That's not okay. (laughs) Okay. The Bible has a standard for us, a, a way of life that has changed us and, and made us to be different. And so what Paul is trying to say is, let's just think a moment. Let's remember all the way that we were, all the things that happened in our life and the things that we were okay with, the, the things that, that were there, the, th- the words that he uses, and we don't have time this morning to go word by word through those things, but the wantonness, the... the futility of mind and the things that are there are just simply words that tell us how completely hopeless a person is without Jesus Christ. And how blinded they are because they think everything's okay. My life's okay. I'm doing alright. I'm making a living. My family's doing okay. We're, we're, we're okay. And they don't see the horror of lostness Of the darkness of their soul and all that's there. Because all that matters is for this moment, I have what I want. But the Bible tells us there's so, so much more than that. And that's what Paul's trying to help the Christians at Ephesus and and all Christians to understand and remember and be aware of as they look at it and as they say and the things that are going on. He's trying to help them to realize that this world is is an evil place. And you and I know that. We look in the paper, we hear the news, we, we... see all kinds of things coming across our phones and our computers day in and day out, constantly, all the time, about all the evil and all the problems and all the things that are wrong in the world, about how all the hatred and the bigotry and all the things of despising, all the separation of mankind and everything that is wrong. And we like it that way. That's what Paul was saying. It's, it's, a, it's a world that's gone completely chaotic and yet we're at peace with ourselves because we don't care. Because we've been blinded by Satan to believe that this way of life is a good way when it's so far beyond below that which God has prepared for what God desires for us and being a part of it. And so Paul has illustrated this to them and said to them, you know, this is what we were like. Remember, keep that in mind. And, and you and I need to do the same kind of thing. We, we need to remember what, what we were before Christ came into our lives. One of the reasons that grace means so little to us, one of the reasons that we, we lose the, the awe and the wonder of what it means to be a child of God is that we forget what it was like before we were a child of God. We forget that we didn't have that kind of peace. We forget that we didn't know a love that could not be taken away from us. We we forget that everything in our lives has been covered by the grace and the mercy of God. We forget that we have a, a, a Savior who went to the cross for us and died for us that we might have life and have it abundantly now and everlastingly in the gift of God and all things. And so we just go about life just like everybody else in the world and it makes no difference. And Paul is urging those people at Ephesus and all Christians to understand... We can't keep living the way we lived before we came to know Christ. We can't be the same now as we were then. There has to be a difference. There has to be a change. And if there's not a change in your life, in my life, then there's one of two things wrong. One, either we never really were saved. Or two, we've chosen to be outside of the fellowship of God and live our own way anyway. Do it our way. Go the way we want to go and not let God be the ruler of our heart. That's why we're reminded over and over to be filled daily with the Spirit of God so that we let ourselves be under the control of God and not under our own self-control as we look at it. And so Paul has given this contrast. And as he looks at it, and and then in verse 22, he he starts moving and he he says, take off that old man. He's saying, just get rid of it. It's a word that he says about symbolism. He's saying, if you're you're really a Christian, if you're really new in life, you take that which you were and you rip it off of yourself and you cast it away in Jesus Christ and then you do something completely different, you put on a whole new outfit. Because you're different. You're not the same as you were before. And you cannot be the same as you were before. See, that's what he wants us to understand. That's the direction that he's trying to lead us to see as Christians. See, we, we get so caught up in wanting to be like everybody else. We get caught up in, in just wanting to fit in and be what everybody else is doing and, and just go along with the flow and let it be a part of it. But Paul says that's just not possible if you genuinely have Christ in your heart. There's a change that takes place. There's something different. And you say, well, I, I don't know if that's really true. Well... It is. Because if you just really would look at yourself and, and know, and you said, well, I was raised in the church. I've been in church ever since before I was even born. My mom taught me why I was still waiting to be born. And I've been there every Sunday ever since. And when I accepted Jesus Christ, there wasn't any difference between before and after. Well, then you didn't accept Jesus Christ. Because it doesn't matter if you've been in church every day of your life and you've gone through all the motions of worship, and you've done everything they do in church, if you've never had a moment in time, in which you personally have acknowledged that I am a sinner, and I need a Savior, and Jesus Christ is the only Savior that there is, and I receive Him as the Lord and Savior of my life, and accept His forgiveness in my life, you then you have never moved into the family of God. You may be a member of a church, but you're not a member of the family. And if you become a member of the family, then you start acting like your father. That's the difference it makes. See, I, before I came to be a Christian, Satan was the ruler of my life. I may not have acknowledged it. I, I may never would have admitted that. But the Bible makes it very clear. And if we just look at our lives and if we look at the people in our world around us all the time, it's very obvious that sin has us enchained. We're, we're in bondage to a lifestyle that is wrong. It does wrong, it believes wrong, it acts wrong, it speaks wrong, it is wrong. But then suddenly, by the grace of God, He opens up our hearts and our minds, and He makes us conscious of the fact, you know, I love you, but I'm not worthy to be loved. I love you, but I've done this, and I've done that. I love you. I died for you. Would you accept my forgiveness? Would you receive me as your Savior, as your Lord? And in the very moment that we say yes to Christ, we're changed. We're different. We can't ever be the same again. For we've stepped out of darkness and we've stepped into light. And even if I was in church all the time, I still was in the darkness. And a person in darkness is not the same as a person in the light because the light always chases the darkness away. Darkness cannot be where there is light. Before I came to know Christ, I was dead. When I stepped into Christ, I became alive. And folks, there's not a one of us in this room that doesn't know the difference between a dead person and a live person. There has to be a difference. If Christ is in my life, I was made alive. I was quickened from the dead. I was given eternal life. I was given abundant life. It became a part of who I am and a part of all that I am. And that's all that Paul wants us to see and understand is that we cannot be like the world anymore. We can't act like the world anymore. We can't accept the ways of the world, the thinking of the world, the actions of the world. None of the world can be a part of our lifestyle ever again. Because we have been moved from that category of living, that category of actually being dead into a life that is full and real and alive and it's active in God working in your life and in my life and, and God doing amazing things in us and through us in a world that is so desperately lost needs more than they need anything else, more than they need a better government, more than they need better economics, more than they need to be healed from diseases, more than they need anything else. They need Jesus. And until they get Jesus, there's no hope. Not individually. individually. Not corporately as a nation, as a world. There's only hope in Christ. And how are they going to get that if they can't tell the difference between us and them? If you and I live in the same manner as the world lives, we do the same things the world does, we think the same way the world does, how are they going to know that it matters? what we believe, that it matters who we know. If they can't see it in you and they can't see it in me and we say, we've been changed, where's the change? Where's the evidence? How do I know that it makes a difference to trust Christ? How do I know that he can change my life? If those of you who claim to know him aren't any different than those of us who deny him, why should I claim him? Why should I seek to know him? That's why Paul was so urgent in this passage of Scripture. That's why he was so pleading that they would realize we're new now. We're different now we, we have to act differently we have to be different because God has done something in our lives and it's changed us and we need to live that way but part of the importance of us doing that is the reality that I may have a brother or a sister or a mother or a dad an uncle an aunt a grandparent I may have the best friend of my life that's lost and has no hope and no direction and the way I'm living is not giving them any encouragement whatsoever to turn to Christ the way I'm living is simply allowing them to be feel permitted to keep on being what they are to keep being lost to keep being without hope and to die without Christ and one day to spend an eternity in the judgment of God because I didn't care enough to live for Christ I didn't care enough to live in a way that said there's a difference when Christ comes into your life and it's not a negative difference because Christ only adds to your life See, we like to focus on all the things that we supposedly have to lose You ever looked at the cross? It's a plus. It's not a negative, it's a plus. And Christ only brings good and positive and amazing things in a person's life when they yield to Him and walk with Him. It's religion. That adds the negatives. It's philosophy. That subtracts life. A relationship with Christ. Is being born. Into the most amazing walk of life. That man can ever conceive. But until you and I who know him. Act like that. And live like that. It's kind of hard to convince those without him that it's worth giving their lives to him. And that's, what, that's all that Paul's trying to say. You and I, who know the Lord Jesus Christ, have been saved by the amazing grace of God out of a lifestyle of condemnation. For the Bible says those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are condemned already. See, it's not that you're going to one day be condemned in judgment, so I'm going to go ahead and live my life the way I want to now and worry about then, then. No, the Bible says right now, this very moment, if you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're already living in the condemnation of God's judgment that will just extend itself into all eternity. Or we step out from under the condemnation of God's judgment and into the righteousness and forgiveness of Christ Jesus. And the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's our choice. For those of us who know Jesus Christ, we've moved out from under the condemnation of Christ unto the no condemnation in Christ and have the freedom to live in the joy, in the fullness, in the abundance, in the wonder, in the awe, in the amazement Walking with Christ, Jesus, the creator, the God of all that there is, is our Father. And as his children, he simply wants us to walk as his children, to act like him, to be as Christ demonstrated to us how we can be and ought to be with the help of the, and the power of the Lord God in us, living in us by the Holy Spirit. There needs to be a difference, folks. We're losing the battle in our world because just not very many Christians are living in such a way that people see there is a difference. Christianity is not any better than any other so-called religion. You need to understand Christianity is not a religion, never has been a religion, never will be a religion. But we act like it is and we live like it is instead of living as though we have a genuine, personal relationship with the creator of the universe. With God who came to us and sought us out. He called us by name to himself. And gave us life. Abundant and eternal. Eternal. All Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus, really all God is saying through Paul, you're my children. You once lived as though you weren't, but now you are. Act like it. Live like it. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we think about your word and all that it teaches us, we live in a hard, hard world. A desperately dark and evil world. Selfishness reigns. Wickedness rules. Hatred. Division. Father, we could go on and on and all that we can see is the descriptions of Satan pouring out his joy and glee at the destruction that we bring upon ourselves as mankind. but you stepped into that and you became sin upon a cross and there the wrath of a righteous and a holy God was poured out upon you so that one day that those of us who would look at that and see that and understand that kind of love and and receive that love into our own lives would no longer be under the dominion of Satan, no longer be at his control and at his bid and beckon, but rather we would step out of that free from that, set free from the bondage of sin, set free from the control of evil, set free from all the world is and made new in a whole new likeness of Jesus Christ. To live in the wonder of life. In the power of life. As you intended this to be. So Father this morning I pray that. If perchance there's someone here. That has never truly experienced Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. They've never genuinely turned their life over to to you. In confession of sin and, and acknowledgement of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then I pray this morning. They wouldn't keep listening to the excuses that Satan provides. They wouldn't quit thinking that they have plenty of time, but they would understand the drastic importance of this moment and being right with Christ. And those who may be listening or viewing by any way, may it be true that for them as well. If they've never trusted Christ, this is the time to do that. And Father, if there's some here that, that need a church home, they, they need to just quit tallying and rallying around and just going here and there and to and fro but they need to just settle down and say I want to be a part of a local part of God's family and I want to demonstrate my faith by being encouraged by my brothers and sisters in Christ and encouraging my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to be a part of what God is doing in this world and I want the help and the structure that I need in my life through brothers and sisters in Christ. And and so, Father, I I want to join this fellowship and I I want to be a part of this church and not just visit and not just keep on coming and coming, but I want to commit myself to the work of God through the family of God. Father, there's some here that... Just need to lay their burdens down. They're, they're just tired of carrying them. They, they've got all kinds of things that are going on in their life that are hindering their joy that are hindering their peace that are hindering them being the kind of people that you want them to be and they just need to lay it down maybe by coming to the altar and and giving it to you or just where they are, whatever it may be but they just need to say Father, I I, I can't carry this anymore I, I can't deal with this lack of peace in my life I can't keep going the way I'm going Father, take this from me and restore to me the joy of your salvation God, I don't know what the needs are of each of these folks but you do and your spirit has been working in their life speaking to them even in these moments that we've had together this morning And so right now as we come to your invitation because that's what it is we don't have anything to invite them to but you do you're inviting them to yourself and as you do I pray father that each one of us will say yes to whatever your invitation is in our lives to salvation, to church membership, to renewal of our commitment, to releasing those things that are keeping us from being the people you want us to be. Whatever it is, may we simply say yes to you as you speak into our hearts. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.